Well, what's up, everybody? This is the Not Your Average Tea Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tabaria, and joined by Christian. I don't know if I'm put the pre-podcast banner in here. I should. It's pretty funny. But we had a lot of good stuff to talk about this last week. Christian, what are your thoughts on the Bears' Monday Night Football performance and everything that went down with that? Yeah, I mean, the first half was about what you expected, I suppose. I mean, it wasn't much different than what we've seen from, uh, you know, the first six, seven weeks of the season. But that second half was was, uh, something special, specifically for Justin Fields. You finally seen him start targeting uh, Allen Robinson a little bit down the field, specifically the last drive to uh, put them up by one as Justin Fields led the offense down the field in – connected with Darnell Mooney in the end zone. But, uh, you know, it it was a disappointing game from the defensive side of things. Uh, Certainly a disappointing game uh, in terms of uh, penalties and and flags throughout the game. Uh, We we probably all heard about what has gone on or what did go on in that football game uh, with the refs versus the Bears. The Bears didn't only play the Pittsburgh Steelers. They also played the the, the officials in that game as well. and, and when you have to do that, it's difficult to, to leave with a victory, and they weren't able to do that. But uh, overall, I, I think this this has the feels of, uh, you know, it, it was the Justin Fields coming out party, it, it felt like. I mean, the, the first half wasn't really anything special, but that second half, specifically the fourth quarter, I believe the Chicago Bears scored, was it 22 points? Maybe it was just a, a 21 points. I think it was a, a weird number, though. I think it may have been 22 points. But anyways, three touchdowns were scored in that fourth quarter. Uh, one was a special teams touchdown, uh, courtesy of DeAndre Houston Carson. But I, I think overall, this felt like it was the Justin Fields coming out party. They're on a bye this week. Next week, they host the Baltimore Ravens, who are currently playing the Miami Dolphins right now on Thursday night football. So that'll absolutely be a matchup to look out for, especially coming out of the bye for rookie Justin Fields. But, um, you know, if I had to pinpoint one thing that I came away with from this game against Pittsburgh Steelers Monday Night Football to Barrio is I think this was a Justin Fields coming out party. I think people are starting to give the rookie his respect, and it felt like, you know, maybe now, I mean, we'll see, but it'll be interesting to see if he really turns the corner here uh, the rest of the season. Yeah. The one thing I had to say about Justin Fields filing in his respect is that unfortunately the referees still aren't giving him his calls. I don't know if it was him or somebody else who said it, but there was like, we saw a rough in the penalty, rough in the passer penalty against Ben Roethlisberger. How come I'm not getting those calls? He's like, I'm yeah, he back said to it you. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he'll probably should expect a fine for criticizing referees on that one, but it's a legitimate point because there were just so many blatant, that's not a penalty cause, called against the Bears. And then when there were penalties like roughing the passer, we seen people get sneezed on and the flag gets thrown. But mm-hmm. Justin Fields get lit up back there in the pocket still where he's still protected as a passer and there's no flag. So it was something that I pointed out, like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if the referees have it out for the Bears, but your boy Chris Sims then came out on – PFT and he's told a story about Tony Corinthi that he got sacked and he looked for a flag and he was like 
motherfucker, like, what's going on? What happened to my flag? Like, that was rough from the passer. Well, then he said that the referees usually tell the quarterbacks, like, hey, you know, we're coming out of TV break here. Call your play. Get ready. So he said the referee, Tony Currency, didn't say anything to him from the next three drives. And every time they came out of a TV timeout, he just blew his whistle and the time was going. He's like, oh, the game started? So he went to him and was like, hey, what's going on? How come you're not telling me when the, we're out of the TV timeout? Isn't that protocol? And he said, Tony Crinton looked at him and said, well, are you going to apologize to me? And so he said he knew right then and there that that guy has a personal vendetta. He allows his personal feelings to affect his job. And really, he's not the only one. There was another story like that about Tony Corinthi and how he officiates the game. But you said this was Justin Fields coming out party, and I agree. Because this is one of those games where I know I asked you and Travis, I said, hey, the Bears are probably not going to win this game, but what do you need to see in the second half in order for you to say, okay, they didn't win the game outright, but I liked what I saw. And Travis pointed out, he said, this is this is one of those games that fits that description perfectly. Justin Fields made some throws that only a handful of quarterbacks can make. He looked like the game was starting to slow down for him, even though his offensive line kind of, they from the things I saw, they did okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, that scenario that still can be improved. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I think uh, I woke up. The, I, I woke up the next morning a little disappointed at how the game ended. Um, you know, you bring up Tony Correnti and obviously the Cassius Marsh. I mean, he's been the trending topic all week, and his uh, so-called taunting penalty. Uh, you know, it really had a big impact on the game. The Bears would have gotten the ball with a little over three minutes remaining in the game as opposed to a little over two minutes, I believe it was. And then they actually went down the field and Justin Fields completed a beautiful pass uh, to Darnell Mooney for a touchdown, which put them up by one. But uh, Pittsburgh still had a minute 37, I believe it was. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the the defense, uh, they, they, they had some, boneheaded penalties and they allowed uh, Pittsburgh to work their way down the field and uh, Pittsburgh was able to escape uh, uh, with a victory by two. But, uh, you know, this, this game in general, like you said, it felt like it was the Justin, well, well, you know, as we both agree, it was the Justin Fields coming out party, but the next morning, although the bears lost, it still felt like, and I hate moral victories, but it, it, it was a bit of a moral victory because there was things that you've seen from the quarterback position by the Chicago bears that you've never seen before in that second half. I mean, the second half was a, a very special. It, it was a thing of beauty. Um, again, that we've never seen before from that position. Um, certainly as long as I've been paying attention to the Chicago bears and I, I'm, dates back much further than that. Um, and there was a specific play. I think it was on the last drive of the game. And Justin Fields aired out a ball 40 yards down the field. Could have went three different directions. He went down to uh, Darnell Mooney on the uh, deep down the field on the right side of the field <clears throat> near the sideline. And it was an uh, incomplete pass went right off of Darnell Mooney's fingertips. It was a little overthrown. Um, not not by by any means Darnell Mooney. It would have been a hard hard ball to come down with, but 
after that play, the, the camera was on Justin Fields, and he had this grin on his face. He was kind of smiling. And, you know, normally you're probably thinking, why the hell is he smiling? He just didn't complete the pass. But me, I was thinking, you know, he knew he he knows he can complete that pass. He knows that pass was right there for him where I had the thinking of, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with it again. He, he knows that that pass is there, and it just seems like things are catching up for Justin Fields at the pro level. Um, again, we're only seven, eight games into his pro career. Um, we'll see how he reacts and, and how he performs after this game next week coming out of the bye against this Baltimore Ravens team that we're watching right now. But, uh, it, yes, the Chicago Bears lost Monday night. Uh, it, it was in uh, ugly fashion. Um, you know, you, you can throw many excuses out there, but at the end of the day, they lost. But it still feels like some type of a, a victory, a moral victory, because, you know, as I said in the beginning, you've seen things out of the quarterback position that, quite simply, we've never seen here in Chicago before. I'm so excited for that Ravens-Bears <laughs> game. You don't know. There's two of my favorite quarterbacks that I love watching so far. So it's going to be really interesting to see how if Lamar, if Lamar wins tonight, and it looks like they will, maybe. Oh, he missed. If Lamar wins tonight, it looks like they will. They should beat Miami handedly. Then that sets up for a really interesting game to see if Lamar can continue his dominance versus the Bears defense. Hopefully, Khalil Max back by that point. But we'll mm-hmm. see. And you got to wonder, you know, I mean, Greg Roman, he's he's a name out there along with Brian Dable of Buffalo, the offense coordinator over there. A lot of people are connecting the dots with both of those guys. And as of lately, it seems like Greg Roman, at least for the Bears fan base, in, in terms of hot names out there for possible head coaching candidates of next year. Uh, sorry, Matt Nagy, I know you're still currently the Chicago Bears head coach, but it, it seems like Greg Roman, and at least for Bears fans out there, um, you know, that's the preference. And obviously he's the offense coordinator right now with the Baltimore Ravens. We've seen what he's done with Lamar Jackson. I mean, he, he totally changed his playbook up Lamar's rookie year. Once they went from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. And then obviously they turned into a winning team, made the playoffs. And then the following year, Lamar Jackson was the MVP. We've seen what he did in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. So, um, you know, Greg Roman, although he'll be the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, maybe, just maybe, he'll be the Chicago Bears head coach one day. Who knows? I think that'll be a mistake. I think Brian Dable's the choice. I think he can hmm. just put together a better offense that will really incorporate all of Justin Fields' talents. I think that will be a better fit for him versus Brian uh, Greg Roman, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. It'll be a very interesting offseason, like you said first. Matt Nagy still is the head coach, and he <laughs> might be the head coach from the start of the season. So if he is, Dable and maybe Greg Roman probably will have jobs by then. But we're going to move on here quick to talk about Mike White. It's Mike White season for the New York Jets and their fans here. So, Christian, I want to know, what are your expectations for Mike White versus Brian Dable in those bills led by Josh Allen? Well, the Bills are definitely, I mean, they, they got to be coming out hungry, right? I mean, they, they got the big upset last week. Jacksonville defeated them. The offense didn't do much, uh, much at all. I mean, they only had six points, two field goals. Uh, it was actually the other Josh Allen on Jacksonville 
having uh, the, the better day out of the two Josh Allens. Um, you got to think Buffalo is going to come out. They're going to be coming out swinging. It's a divisional rival game. But the New York Jets, man, I I, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, Robert, Robert Salas seems to be bought in to Mike White. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe somebody – in, in the up and ups of the organization, maybe got in his ear and told him to reel it back a little bit. But after that first Mike White victory against Cincinnati, you know, he, he damn near what was ready to crown a quarterback ass. controversy. Crown his ass. <laughs> so uh, to see Mike White back at, and then, and then the following week he goes out and, uh, you know, delivers that touchdown drive against Indianapolis. And, th- and then, oh, no, you know, he, he doesn't have any feeling in his fingers or he couldn't quite grip the football. Who caught that touchdown? Suffering that injury. Right. And then. No, uh, no, no, no. Who caught that touchdown from Mike White? Oh, uh, that's another story. That's a stud that's, named that's Elijah Moore, friend of the podcast. Yeah. We'll talk about him more <laughs> later. But, yeah, he couldn't hurt. What you were saying? He couldn't feel his hand. You know, he couldn't grip the ball. Right. right. So, you know, and then and then Josh Johnson comes in. And he has a, a pretty decent day. Throws for three touchdowns. I mean, I think I sent it to the group text. It, it seems like a, every Jets quarterback can throw for t- uh, three touchdowns, except for uh, uh, Zach Wilson, unfortunately. But I, I think this is the right decision. I mean, I'm not saying to, to bench Zach Wilson for the rest of the season. I'm not saying that this this still isn't his job. But um, I, I think what we've seen from Mike, white for four and a half five quarters this season um i think there's no doubt that it it does give this team the best chance to win so uh you know do i expect them to defeat the bills uh not quite but i do think it's going to be a quote uh, a close game uh so so i do still see buffalo coming into new york uh, well new jersey technically uh and and getting the victory (laughs) but i'm really going to be keeping an eye out on how mike white does because uh you know, th- this game here, I mean, he defeated at the time the number one team in the league, I believe it was, Cincinnati. Um, he showed that he was on par to at, at least make, I mean, very small sample size against Indianapolis, but looked like he was going to make that a football game. I mean, he did what uh, the best he could. I mean, he delivered a touchdown drive. And uh, let's see what he does now uh, against Buffalo, another one of the top teams in the AFC and a divisional opponent. So, uh this, believe it or not, it, it, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but this is one of my, uh, you know, I, I won't say must-watch games this weekend because I don't know if I'm going to be able to stream it or not. <laughs> but this is definitely one of the games that piques my interest the most this week. You know, here's the thing. Here's where I'm caught up in this conundrum of Mike White versus Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is my boy. He has not been afforded the opportunity to – play quarterback for the Jets when Mike LaFleur is up in the booth. Mike LaFleur went up in that booth, and he was calling double passes, jet sweeps, every creative thing to get a quarterback going you could. And his first game up in the booth was Mike's, Mike White's first game. So everybody's like, maybe there's something to this. Is it Mike White? Is it Mike LaFleur? Which one is which? You know, we got to figure it out versus the Colts on Thursday night. So, that game starts. Mike White comes out. Three and out the first drive, but it's just the first drive. Second drive, he comes back in there, throws a dart to a fan of the podcast. Podcast favorite, Elijah Moore, for a nice touchdown, probably about a 20-yarder. No big deal. But then he hurts his hand. And so he hurts his hand, and he has to take sit down. 
and Josh Johnson comes in. Mike LaFleur still in the booth. Josh Johnson comes in there, throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, should have been four. And you're like, okay, if these two guys can do this, Zach Wilson has more talent in his left pinky than both of these guys have combined. So why aren't we seeing him out there? And a lot of the talk has just been about how you can't pull Mike White when he's playing so well because that locker room loves him. Mm-hmm. Whenever he walks in, they just start chanting, Mike White, Mike White. They show like a one jet drive behind the scenes video of Mike White coming to the locker room and people going crazy when he got the game ball. So they're saying like you cannot pull him if he continues to play well. If he beats Buffalo, they say you got to ride with him. They're even saying if the Jets lose 31 to 20, but Mike White throws two touchdowns and has 200, 300 yards against Buffalo, then you have to play him the week after that versus Miami even if Zach Wilson is healthy. Now, that I just don't know about. Because here's the thing. Yes, the players want to win. The players are going to want the person who gives them the best chance to win behind the center at quarterback. That's what the players want. But this season has never been about making the playoffs. Even if the Jets go on a tear after the Bills game, they say they lose that one, they go on a tear, then... They're still not going to make the playoffs. So why are we putting Mike White in there? Why can't we get Zach Wilson in there and give him the chance to show he can throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, continue his development, let him get some rhythm and some continuity with the wide receivers and stuff like that. I think that's, I think starting Zach Wilson is the right move. I think Mike White, as good as he can play in this offense, we got to give it – we'll see what happens with the Bills. Now, everybody thinks the Bills are just going to blow out the Jets. But here's the thing. The Bills have been struggling lately. Their offensive mm-hmm. line did not hold up against the Jacksonville's defensive line. And what is the Jets' strength? Their defensive line. Josh Allen is known for turning the ball over. So the Jets players, C.J. Mosley especially, is already talking about, like, man, we got to get after Josh Allen because he's known if we hit him, he might fumble. That might be our opportunity. So it, it's going to be a good game to watch. I'm fully expecting the Jets to lose by 14. But if Mike White comes out and plays well, which I hope he does, I'm excited for it. It's Mike White season. However, I, I think it'll be within 10. I think it'll be a little closer than what you're thinking. I hope so because I want to watch a competitive game. That's all I care for. As long as, it's competitive, so, so me, as, long as Mike White plays well enough to throw the ball to Corey Davis so he can get toward 1,000 yards and Elijah Moore so he can get – you know, be the better wide receiver of uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, who hasn't caught a pass tonight, and it's the end of the first quarter. What's going on? Let, let me ask you one thing about the Jets. All right, I, I put this in the group chat a couple days ago, and I, I don't expect to get too much reaction out of it. But I mean, uh, and it was only a six-round pick that they drafted. I think it could turn into a fifth-round pick depending on how many games he plays. But I mean. Are, are the Jets kind of kicking themselves for, for trading for Joe Flacco? I mean, he, he can't have that much of an impact in the locker room, on the quarterback room, to want to wanna trade any draft equity. Yeah, it might only be a six-round pick, but to see what Mike White and even Josh Johnson has been able to do, uh, you know, j- just last week, I mean, uh, are you kind of scratching your head why they made that trade when they had their guys all along? You know, they, they had plenty of depth at that position all along, uh, you know, instead of trading for uh, trading draft equity for Joe Flacco? I'm not scratching my head because here's the thing. 
They messed up way before that. They should have brought Joe Flacco in in free agency when he was a free agent. Instead, they didn't. They went after Brian Hoyer, who said, I'm going to the Patriots over the Jets because that's what most of free agents would do. So he went, took less money to go to the Patriots. They didn't know what they had with Mike White, apparently. Apparently, they thought he would be good, but he never took a snap. So they said, we need somebody who's taking a snap in the game. Apparently, according to their defensive coordinator, Oberk, he said something to the effect of, yeah, Mike White usually makes practice harder than the games. He's that good in practice that sometimes when we practice against him, that's harder than whoever it is we're going against the following Sunday. So they had faith in him all along, and that's what Robert Sala, the Jets coach, said. He said, we had faith in Mike White. You guys kept asking us, the press kept asking us, why don't we have a veteran? Why don't we have a veteran? Well, we knew that Mike White was good. And Josh Johnson, he hasn't had an opportunity to step up like that and play in a game. So we really didn't know what he could do either. So it was, it was a bunch of unknowns. They did it to cover their ass, but it was a six-round pick, and it could have been a fifth-round pick if Joe Flacco played a snap or played some snaps, and he's not going to, especially if Zach Wilson comes back next week. Joe Flacco hopefully is the first one to go because I like Josh Johnson. That's my boy. Hey, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying, you know, in 2022, when you're looking for a quarterback again, that six-round pick could be the next Tom Brady or the next Mike White. Our next Michael White. And he's a restricted free agent this year. So we'll talk about that probably on a different pod about what's going to be. Where could he end up next year? Because Zach Wilson is going to be the answer. But, yeah, what's your prediction for the Jets-Bills game? What's your final score? Well, I think I gave you a little preview just saying that I think it will be closer than, you know, within 14 points. I, I, I'm thinking – you know, I, I'm starting to buy into this Mike White stuff, man. I, I really am. You know, the, the Cincinnati game was one thing, and I know he only played, was it one or two drives against Indianapolis before he went out with the injury, and he let him down for a touchdown. And I know that's still a small sample size, but I'm, I'm buying into it, man. I, I think the Bills do end up getting some things right, and I think they win the game. I'll go 27 to 20. I think they win by a touchdown. I think it's a lot closer than what a lot of people are expecting. But I think Mike White still, I think he still goes out there and garners the respect of, you know, the national media. I mean, I think a lot of people are starting to really give him, I mean, again, it's only five quarters worth of play, if that, that we've seen from him. But uh, I think he, he, right now, at least, I think he gives them the best chance to win. And again, I know it's a small sample size, but I think right now he gives them the best chance to win. Like you said, that defense really has been uh, picking things up for the Jets lately, and, and Buffalo is coming in struggling. But as I said, I, I think they get things figured out. Um, and again, overall, I, I just think it's going to be a better game, a closer game than what people are thinking. I, I'm thinking 27 to 20. Hmm. I want to go 21 to 35, 21-35 Bills. But I'm I'm ready to be pleasantly surprised. I'm ready to be pleasantly surprised. I will say this before we wrap. The Jets, when they beat Cincinnati, he had two interceptions. They were not his fault. They were hit his wide receivers in the hands. They didn't catch it. It bounced into their defender's hands. 
Those weren't his fault. But in that Cincinnati game, he took a lot of what the defense gave them, which means he looked deep. It wasn't there. He checked it down. And the Cincinnati Bengals got caught thinking that the Jets were just going to run the ball and let Mike White flourish, and he just went crazy. He took underneath passes, a lot of broken tackles from Michael Carter and other friend of the podcast, Ty Johnson. So that's what he did. Racked up 400 yards, jerseys and Canton. Followed up the next week against the Colts. Initially, the Colts were like, okay, yeah, we'll let you. We, we saw what you did last week. You're going to go for the short check down. They had two guys ready to defend that short check down every time. So what we saw from all 22, that instead of taking that check down, he knew he had to go intermediate or deep. And then he hit front of the podcast, Elijah Moore, across the middle for like a 20-yard game. So you can see that it's it's a cat and mouse chess game. And Mike White is winning so far. But we're going to wrap right here, Christian. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Not Your Average Seat Time. I hope you enjoy some Chicago Bears and your Jets talk. We'll talk to you soon. I see it's 3-0 already, Baltimore. God, Jacoby's starting. God damn. God damn. <laughs> you see that TikTok? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> I got to send it to you later, but it's like when Abraham Lincoln's security guard came back from the bathroom. <laughs> He's mad as hell. But I just Is said this that. like a TV show or something? No, it couldn't a, have been really fucking Abraham Lincoln's security no, guard. No, some, it's just some dude on their internet being funny. I got to send it to you now. I'll send it to you after this is over with. But all right, all right. I say that because I just checked my league. I was like, oh, yeah, I got Justin Tucker. We just kicked the field goal. He's on my bench. Ah, shit. Not in my lineup. That's all like, what the fuck? Hell, God damn. God damn. Yeah, I got to see that. Oh, All right. Should we get started on this podcast? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe this will make the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I'll start off with this.